Amen. It's God's presence. Uh, we're going to start a brand new message series today called uh, Spirit and Truth. But before that, I want to let you know that uh, this Friday at the gathering at the coffee shop in South Jordan, West Jordan, one of the Jordans, uh, Chase over here, he, he uh, runs that coffee shop and it's seven to nine uh, spiritual fruit gifts, something spiritual, something over there. I want to encourage you to head over there. It's great. It's just a small group, coffee. What else could you ask for, really? Maybe dinner, but, you know, that's after. So that's going on this week. I also want to um, encourage you to uh, find us online. If you want to hear the podcast from the past, we're on iTunes now, Spotify, Google Play, Google everything, Google everywhere, all of everything. So uh, we're on those things. You just have to search uh, the Bridge Church, Salt Lake City, and it'll come up. Look for our logo. Right on? Everybody good? All right. This is going to be great. I am excited about this series. Many of you know we're, we're um, looking for a worship leader right now. We're looking for our band members and things like that, right? So uh, we believe, I believe, Michelle and I believe, that um, teaching a series right now, a four-part message series on worship, would be great. Now, how many of you in the new members class took the worship portion of the new members class? And you're all like, new members class? We have one? We don't have one. And we don't have a worship class either. And, and I remember from when I first got saved, uh, I came out of denominational church. And I'm now um, living this uh, born-again lifestyle, which is, can be a little fun at times. Right? It's free. If you come out of denominational church and you're born again now and like this side of the fence, you're free. Yes. And it's fun. But they don't teach you anything about how to worship. Right? Uh, and what it means. I mean, you've heard message series on it and you've heard, you know, pastors talk about it or worship leaders tell you what to do. And it's kind of like prayer, right? You get saved, you get healed, you get set free, and nobody ever teaches you how to do it. So we're going to teach you how to do it today and next week and the next four weeks, right? We're going to talk about this because if we're going to believe God for a worship leader, we probably should know how to worship, right? And it's not just the music, okay? Let's, let's just talk about this for a second because I believe... This is my personal opinion, and I have been a little aggressive in this area with people that know me <laughs> a little bit on the worship thing because you hear worship songs that they're called worship songs, and they have nothing to do with worshiping God at all. It's me and I and I and me and me and me and I. How many of you know you don't have anything to do with God's worship? Okay. We are supposed to do it. So let's talk about this today. Outlines and handouts over there, three ring binders if you're new. Those are for you to keep, right? Bring back. Take notes today. I want to encourage you to fill them in. These are for you to take to your quiet time so you can reflect and practice what we're going to learn today, right? Be involved. Get involved because, like, uh, we kind of touched on it last week with the shoes, shoes off thing. You know, this is just something extra we get to do, gathering together. But the real church is you and who lives in you when you go out there. Okay? So what we're going to try to get established today is that worship will bring God's presence. But we're not supposed to just leave God's presence here and go out and do our thing. God's presence is in us. It's with us. And it never leaves us. It's supposed to. So we're going to talk about that today. Everybody okay? You got your handouts and stuff? All right. So I think a disservice has been done by the body of Christ to teaching people that worship is a type of music. Um, it's not. It's not. Because if it is, um, then it can be judged as pleasing and appropriate or displeasing and inappropriate. And what happens is, I'm talking to nobody, is that there's a song that plays 
and right away in your mind, if if worship is music and it's set up in the genre of music, then it can be categorized, then it can be sold and marketed as worship music, okay? That's not what the Bible is talking about at all. Are you with me? Because when when we decide to engage in worship based on our preferences, on our moods, on our, oh, let's just call it style of music, we're making it about us. What's wrong with that picture? And all of us worship something, right? Might be a sports team. Might be a spouse, might be a job, might be your checkbook, your 401k, whatever. Children, could be anything. You worship something. And if you have trouble figuring out what that is, just flip open your check register sometime and look where you spend your time and your money. Those two things will tell you what you worship. Some of us, it's in and out (laughs) or Sizzler last night or whatever, right? It could be food, right? Some of us could worship alcohol. Some of us could worship, you know, weed or whatever. You worship something. We all worship something. And, And, you know, I always find it interesting since we started the church that people will come up to me after and they'll go, Pastor, your worship style is just not our type. And I think we're going to move on. And I'm like, hey, okay. I get it. You know, trying to find a church that suits your family and has good kid stuff and this and, and worship, I get it, right? I get it. But listen, we were, I, I used to go to Mexico and build homes on mission trips. And they, I don't know if you know this or not, but in Mexico, they sing in Spanish. <laughs> Who knew, right? So if you're going to go, and and this is how you learn to worship, because it doesn't matter what the music is, and it doesn't matter what the language is, and it doesn't matter, and none of that matters. What matters is this. And when you get this and this linked up with this, it could be screaming, and it still can be worship unto God. So get this. The music does not matter. Remember a dude named Lucifer? What, what was his job in heaven before he got the left foot of fellowship? Right? He was the worship leader, the music manipulator in heaven before his pride got a hold of him and he got the left foot of fellowship. Right? So remember that music's important. It's just not so important that it can, it can mess you up. And it has to be about God. And it has to be uh, your heart and his heart together. Okay, it's going to get better. I know this is kind of deflating, but it's going to get better. Now, listen, when we, we um, talk about a life of worship, that's my goal is to get you into a life of worshiping God all the time. No matter what it looks like, being able to say, I'm just going to thank you, Father. I'm going to worship you today for who you are, not for what's going on here, but for who you are and what you've done. In me, and if we're going to talk about the the musical vehicle for a second, because music is important. Don't get me wrong; it's not the thing, but it is important because music. God designed our souls to link up to music, and it's important, right? And and if we're going to be a three part being, and Mark, and Jesus said in Mark twelve thirty, He said, "And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart." With all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength, right? So if we take the strength out, and we have a three-part being that we are supposed to worship God with those three parts of our being, okay? If we're going to love God, that would put worship in that category. Would you agree? Okay, so if we're going to love God with all our heart, our soul, and our mind, we need to worship with all three of those things. And because it's your soul, that's your mind, your will, and your emotions. Now, let me tell you this. It's imperative that you know that music can touch your soul and drag you places. 
right? And, and, and I'm going to show you in a second. When we, when we worship God with all three parts of our being, and we commune with all three parts of his being, because it says part of our, our scripture on there, it says John 4, 24, God is the spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit, our spirit to his spirit and in truth. So it has to be not full of lies if it's going to be truth. Okay. So music helps us to engage our triunity, our three parts with his three parts and music. The songs are the thing that drag us in there. And when we get it figured out, then we commune with God. That's where we get the name for this because we commune with God in this. So we can commune with God in worship. All of the redeemed parts of ourselves, our body, our soul, and our spirit all commune with a triune God. And it brings a connection achieved only by that. When we get all three. Now, you have to, you, it is possible that you can be singing and your heart's not engaged. That's not worship, that's singing. Okay? It is possible that perhaps your heart's engaged, but your mind's not. That's not worship. That's bad singing, right? Because you're not thinking. You're just, blah, 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 blah. That's just a joy to everybody around you, I'm sure. Right? So uh, sometimes the music will engage us and get our emotions involved, and that's okay. Okay, so I'm going to play some tracks. So listen to this. What does this make you think of? Right? Who saw the movie? I still won't go in the ocean. Because this, this music brings fear to me. Makes me think of fear. Listen, I'm like... Right? Okay, so here's the next one coming here in a second. What's this one make you think of? Here it comes. This one, what's this make you think of? Right? What is it? The bad guy. Evil. My personal favorite movie star ever. But this song, because of the emotional connection that you have, makes you think of evil. How'd that get in there? So that makes you think of the evil guy. And this song, right, makes you sad and makes you do not get on the ship. Right? And, and it's, I mean, I tried to come up with songs that everybody would know. But it's like, it's a bummer. It makes you want to cry. It's like, oh, poor Jack. Yeah, floating around on a piece of wood. What about this one? Get ready. I was playing this for Michelle yesterday, and she started dancing, and, you know, this brings joy. Would you agree? This is one of my favorite songs, man. It's just, it's a pick-you-up. But why does it do that? Because there's an emotional connection. Now, what if we took that emotional connection, right? Now, now in this next song's really long, but I want it to be really long for a purpose. Okay. Just like the emotional connection we need to be a worshiping church. That emotional connection with those songs that I just played, think about worshiping God in that vein. To where when you hear something like this, it just doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter who you're talking to, who you're around. Think of your day at work. And this comes in. And all of a sudden, what I'm going to try to get to you today is that the presence of God lands in that place. And you're just, oh, Lord. Turn it up a little bit. Listen, just listen. Can you hear the spirit of God in there? 
If it was me, I'd probably stand up and I'd close my eyes and I would just like, just for a second, let God in. Because what happens at our job, we're so busy doing stuff and so busy taking care of this and doing that. Is it hitting your heart? Are you getting it? With the, when the presence of God can come in, it can change everything. Changes the atmosphere. But here's the thing. Here's the thing I never learned when I was young in the Lord, when I first got saved. Nobody ever said anything about how to worship God. And if you don't know how to worship God, the presence of God cannot come in. I'm not saying prayer and all these other things will do that, yes. But music, you guys, is the vehicle that does it. Just this, this isn't even like a, a you know, worship song per se. But just the music and the melody and just the, the worship leader leading, can you hear him? She's like, sing out off the page. Just let your spirit out of the box for a second. And just praise. And it's okay to say, thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, thank you, Father. Face to face with you today, God. You're awesome in this place, Lord. What that does is brings the Spirit of God in. And that will change everything. Are you with me? All right, that's good. Music ushers in the presence of the Lord. And it's imperative. To what we do that it's not just singing songs so what i want to do today is i want to look into the old old testament because the, you look at david we're going to talk about david today and solomon because there was now think about this for a second was david just like this perfect human being who didn't do anything wrong but he worshiped like no other. And I believe his worship is why he had a special place in God's heart. Did he blow it? Did he get people killed? Did he try to do the, you know, mess around and sleep around and do all the bad things and sin? Of course. Thank God none of us do that stuff. Right? But he still, God still loved him. So Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 3, if you brought a Bible, or if you brought a phone, or if you brought something to write on, like the handout, whatever. 1 Kings chapter 3, here's Solomon. Solomon's asking for wisdom. And it's a, it's a real interesting story. And there's a couple of phrases in here I want to point out to you. And I want you to show you something and hopefully teach you something on how to study something out. Okay, so in First uh, Kings chapter three, Solomon's asking for wisdom because he didn't know something, right? Wouldn't it be great to know everything? But most of us probably don't know enough, especially about this stuff. So here he is, uh, verse five. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, "Ask." What shall I give you? Now, if I had a dream and God showed up and asked me that question, I would be a little excited. I would be like, really? God of the universe is asking me what I want? Wow. Look what he says. Verse 6. And Solomon said, you have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth. Remember, we're supposed to worship God in spirit and truth would be a good base to start with. If we're going to worship God, let's start with truth in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him and you have given him a son to sit on his throne 
as it is this day. Now, listen to what he says in verse 7. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David. But I am a little child. Those words little child doesn't mean he was a little kid. It means he was inexperienced at being a king. Anybody been a king before? Okay, so we'd all be inexperienced at being a king. Especially, how would you like to follow up after David? That would be a little difficult, right, knowing who he is. So he's, he's calling himself, I just don't know. I do not know how to catch this phrase, to go out or come in. Anybody know what that means? Okay. Then he goes on here and he says, Your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or continued. Therefore, give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? He's saying, I need some wisdom to to lead this group. I am inexperienced. That would be a good prayer to pray. Just for fun. Lord, I need some help leading these people. So, so let's talk about this to go out or come in for a second. Now, when I find, I, I, first time I read that phrase, it baffled me. I'm like, what does that mean? To go out or to come in? So a good way to study things like this out is, is get your concordance and go through the word and find where this phrase is. And try to find a meaning for it. So lucky you're here today because I did that for you. So if we look in Numbers 27, Moses is praying for a successor. Okay? He, he, he's getting ready to retire and he's waiting for somebody to come in. And he says this. This is leadership. He says, let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation who may go out before them and go in before them who may lead them out and bring them in that the congregation of the Lord may not be like sheep that have no shepherd. So whoever this person is has to be able to lead Israel out and lead them back in. What the heck does that mean? Where are we going? Are we going out for dinner and then coming back in to watch TV? What are we doing? Right? Look at in Deuteronomy chapter 31, this is Moses again. This is his retirement party, right? And he's getting ready to retire. And he said to them, I am 120 years old today. It was his birthday. Good time to retire at 120. I mean, I'm ready to retire now, and I'm only halfway to that. So uh, he says, I'm ready to retire. I can no longer catch this. Go out and come in. Also, the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross over this Jordan. Because of the rock situation, Moses wasn't allowed to go over to the promised land. But he's like, I can no longer go out or come in. Interesting, right? So in the blessing chapter, Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 6, blessed shall you be when you come in. And blessed shall you be when you go out. Where are we going? What does this mean? What does come in and go out mean? It must be a big deal if Moses is talking about it. If Solomon is asking for help, for wisdom to be able to go in and come out. Here's the answer. It's in, in Joshua chapter 14 and verse 11. Here's the answer to what this is. Caleb is talking to Joshua, and if we read back a chapter, he's talking about the city that God promised them 45 years earlier before they decided that they were too afraid to go over into the promised land. He's telling him, I'm going to go get my city God promised me. Look what he says. He says in verse 11, As yet I am as strong this day, as the day that Moses sent me out 45 years ago, he must have been working out or something, just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Listen, when they were going out, they were going out for war. 
when they were coming in, they were coming in from war. And it was busy. David was a warrior. And he would go out for war and he would come back in. Now listen to this. Moses isn't allowed to go in and out anymore because he's old. He can't lead the children of Israel out anymore because he's 120 years old. Time to retire, bro. Go to Florida. Right? Bible doesn't say you can't go to Fort Lauderdale or something. David knew how to lead out to war and come in. And Solomon didn't know, and he was inexperienced, so he didn't know what to do. He didn't know how to go out to war or to come in. When they came in in culture, in, in Jewish culture, when they came back in, uh, that's why I want to focus on the coming in part today, because when they came in, they worshipped immediately, did not pass the food table, nothing. When they came in from war, they worshipped. And if they lost the war, they came in and worshipped and repented and asked God, why did they lose the war? If they were in the middle of the war, they came in and worshipped to get re-energized. Does, it, does worship energize anybody where it's like you, you kind of get going and you're like, yeah, I'm digging this, right? It's okay because it's supposed to do that. And if they won the war, they came in. And when they came in, they rejoiced. So it must be okay to repent, to be re-energized, and to rejoice during worship. Are you with me? And if we look at an example of David in the Old Covenant, he was one who knew it. I don't know if you've ever read Psalm 51, right? This is after the whole Bathsheba incident, and his child was, was he lost the child, that, that whole thing. And it's like to listen to his heart repent is amazing. He's coming in to repent for doing something wrong. Now, knowing that, think about your life for a second. When you're out and you need to come in to be re-energized because you're fighting a battle out there. Or if you're, you won the battle this week and you come in to rejoice in worship, right? Or maybe you lost the battle and you need to come in and you need to figure out why. Even in your secret place time in the morning, I would include worship. Because remember what we just talked about. Worship brings what? The presence of God. Wouldn't it be fun to have the presence of God with you all day? Uh, like it is in here right now. Would that help you? That would help me. And that's why when people annoy me, I will walk off and put earbuds in my ears and just walk away with worship on. Because my soul, my mind, my will and emotions wants to hurt people. Especially when they're stupid people. Just saying. Just being real. Right? And, and it's just like, so in order to defeat that, you have to bring the presence of God, which brings peace. That you cannot understand. And it's okay that you don't understand. So I want to talk about three things that keep us in God's presence today. Right? Uh, number one, worship brings God's presence into our lives. On your handout there, brings God's presence. Worship brings God's presence. Now, let's read in 1 Samuel. I want to focus on the, the coming in part of the coming in and going out. The 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 12. And this is Saul and David. How many of you know there were some issues with Saul and David? If we read back a couple of Verses we can see that he just whipped a staff at him, tried to pit him against the wall. That would cause you great annoyance and displeasure. Uh, it would me, right? If somebody's trying to kill me, and I've had people try to kill me, and it's not very fun. 
a little stressful, really. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him. Why was the Lord with David? Because he was a worshiper, right? But had departed from Saul. Therefore, Saul removed him from his presence and made him captain over the thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. Notice that Saul made him captain. Saul had the same idea that I guess David did, that it was going to make him a captain over all these guys and then send them in the infantry first. And maybe we'll get lucky and he'll die. That was, that was Saul's idea. That didn't work out very good. Verse 14, and David behaved wisely. Do you think the presence of God brings wisdom when it comes? Yeah, that'd be kind of convenient. In all his ways, and the Lord was with him. There it is again. Therefore, when Saul saw that he behaved very wisely, he was afraid of him. So he's afraid of him again. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. David was the master. He was a master warrior. He could go out and come in. If we read back a couple of passages, we would see this is where the chicks are flipping out. Ooh, David and Saul kills his thousands and David kills his ten thousands. You know, everybody's tripping because he was that good of a warrior. Why was he that good of a warrior? The presence of God was with him. So God's worship brings God's presence in our life. Look at verse 12 again. He said, it clearly says that Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him. Why was it with him? He was a worshiper. He lived his life in God's presence. Is that possible for us today? It's even more possible with us today because the Holy Spirit's here now. In that time, the Holy Spirit would come and land on the prophet and split. It was in and out. It wasn't there all the time like it is now with us. Comforting, providing, helping, showing. We have an extra bonus if we talk about the Holy Spirit. That series is coming up. Look at verse 14. David behaved wisely in all his ways. And the Lord was with him. David lived in God's presence. David wrote most of the Psalms. Psalms means songs, right? And, and just another thing, Psalms is not written in chapters. It's written in Psalms, okay? So it's not Psalm chapter 23. It's Psalm 23. Just a little clarification. Thank you. All right. So David was a worshiper. Now catch this. This I believe is on your on your outline there. We don't go out. We're talking about going out and coming in. We don't go out from the presence of the Lord. We go out with the presence of the Lord. It doesn't matter where if you're going to the bathroom, if you're in the shower, presence of God is with you. If you have a rough decision to make, the presence of God is with you. You don't need to call 47 people and say, I need you to pray. I mean, like, Lord, your presence is here with me. And I'm going to ask you for wisdom in this decision. Should I fire this guy or kill him? Yes. God would probably say fire him. Yes. Just say. Right? <laughs> well, let me read this to you. We, we started the service with this today. Hold your finger there. And uh, Samuel will be back. Psalm, this is one of, my, um, one of my many favorite psalms. And we read this at the beginning of service, but I'm going to read it again. It says, praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. Music has to be involved. And his praise in the assembly of the saints. Let Israel, let the bridge church rejoice in their maker. Let the bridge church be joyful in their king. Wouldn't it be great if we were a worshiping church? Like once a month, had a worship night, and just it wasn't a burden to do. We just went and loved God. Wouldn't that be fun? Amen, Pastor. I'll amen myself. Verse 3. Let them praise his name with the dance. Let them sing praises to him with the timbrel and harp. Instruments are okay. 
because it says so. Let's talk about that uh, sing praises. That's, it's Zamar in the Hebrew. It's to make music, sing praises, to sing songs accompanied by musical instruments. Not just an organ. Musical instruments. It occurs more than 45 times in the Psalms, and it means specifically stringed instruments. It's okay to have a guitar, even an electric one. That can be exceedingly and abundantly loud at times, but it's okay because it just means you're old. Okay? It means, this word means, this sing praises means musical instruments are an integral part of praise and worship. Music is the vehicle that brings the presence of the God. Moving on here, verse 4. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. Thank you, Father, that I'm beautiful. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth. Catch this next one. And a two-edged sword in their hand. Isn't that interesting? That's a direct, direct to the Levites who always led the army out into battle. So what we're going to do if we're going to go fight like the church across the street or something, we're going to take our worship team and put them out there first. <laughs> Say, go get them, guys. We'll be right behind you. That's what they did. There's a, um, where, Second Chronicles 20? We'll talk about this in a couple of weeks. They, sent, they, stayed, they sat there and began to worship God so much that the opposed, there was three opposing armies that were coming to kill them. They were going to annihilate Israel off the earth. And they just began to worship God and praise God. And what happened? Manic confusion. I believe, and I, I was a sound guy for years, played in a worship band, did all this stuff. I believe the enemy works overtime messing up sound systems and tweaking musicians. Because he knows. Once the music starts, there's confusion for the enemy camp. And fear comes. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Right? When fear comes. Number two. Uh, worship brings fear in, the lo- in our lives. Not fear like you think. Fear in the enemy's camp, like I was just saying. And, and back to 1 Samuel in verse 12, again, he says that, that Saul was afraid of David. Saul was afraid of David, right? And in verse... Uh, 15, he says it again. He was afraid of him because he, he acted wisely. How many of you know what Ephesians 6.12 says? Okay, I'll read it for you. Thanks for participating. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Okay, but against principalities, powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. This fight that we have on this earth is a spiritual battle. We war not against flesh and blood. It would be easy to just find the devil in the flesh and beat him up and cut his throat, send him on his way. Right? But that's not the way this works. When... Saul is afraid of David. Saul, the person, the fleshly guy, isn't afraid of David. It's the spiritual attack that he has in him that's afraid of the spirit of presence of God that's in David. That's they, that they know, like Jesus and the guy in the gatherings, spoke to that spiritual thing, sent him out into the pigs, and they ran into the ocean. The enemy hates worship. And he will do all he can to prevent it. So when we talk about fear, I'm not talking about fear of the Lord. I'm talking about the enemy fears the presence of God. That should set somebody free. When when you're struggling, when you're, the enemy is busy, pastor. It's like, get the worship going. 
and, and I can guarantee you, your phone won't work, your computer won't work, you're going to have to just say. Something else we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks is this, this body that you live in is a worship vehicle. It produces music, has percussion, it can sing, has vocal cords like guitars. You can produce worship with this right here. May not be as excellent as some people's, but you know what? It's a beautiful sound to God when his children worship him, right? So the fear that we're talking about is, is like the spirit that was on Saul was afraid of the presence of God in David, right? When I was in high school, uh, my family, we had uh, a big family, my dad's family, my mom's family, was, we were like the mob, right? Nobody messed with us. But when I came into high school, uh, nobody knew who I was. So uh, my name's Rashid, and down a couple lockers was this guy named uh, Marty Redman, right? Big, huge dude, like huge. And, and he didn't know who I was, and I didn't care who he was. And he cornered me one day. He was a bully, right? And he cornered me between a door and a, and a payphone, if you know what that is, <laughs> Right? And he was pointing and he was, he was picking on me. He was, gonna, he was telling me how much he's going to beat me up and all this stuff. And in the meantime, my older brother came around the corner or came out of the gym or something and saw what was going on. And like two of my other cousins came around the corner and they were standing behind him. And I'm just like, uh-huh, sure, yeah, you're going to do all this stuff, right? Yeah, bring it, whatever you think. And he turned around and looked and, you know, I'm the smallest in my family, so... You know, my people were huge. It was like having the mob on your side. And they, and they were like, you're going to do what? And, they, you know, they pushed and shoved them a little bit and did some other mean and ugly things. They took their pants off or something. I don't know. They, they just humiliated him, right? But when we have the Spirit of God, when we have the presence of God with us, those, those enemy, the battle going on around you has to obey the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There is no conversation. There isn't any, you know, I used to tell my kids, no does not mean negotiation. No means get out and get off. There's only one place, one room in this heart for the Spirit of God, and that's it. It's like having the mob on your side, you know, send Guido and Annunzio over, straighten out some stuff. It's like, you don't even have to do that. It's just like in the name. We start talking about the name of names, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Things change. The atmosphere changes. And that's how we get the world excited about Jesus because we come with a presence. Right? Anybody ever say that to you? Like when you walk into a room, it's like you bring a presence with you. That's a good one. Not like... Can I borrow five bucks? And it's like, no, not that presence. You bring peace and joy. And, and, and Galatians 5, that string of, of fruits of the Spirit, you bring that stuff. That's what we're supposed to be as Christians. Not complaining about what's wrong. We're supposed to bring what's right. That changes everything. Worship will do that. The, the last thing, number three, worship brings God's wisdom in our lives. Anybody like wisdom? Wisdom would be handy to have most of the time, be good to, to keep with you. It says there in, in verse 15, 14, he says, uh, David behaved wisely in all his ways. You know, we, we talk about praying and coming into agreement and meditating. I'm for all those things. But when we have the presence of God, we automatically know what's right. Because this is in us. And this is coming out of us. It's easy to make a good decision when God's presence is with us. Uh, I believe that Solomon was so wise because he asked God for wisdom. That would be a good prayer to pray right when you wake up in the morning. Lord, I'm going to need some wisdom today. Because i got to deal with these people on my job and they are not fun. It'll be okay. David knew how to go out and he knew how to come in. He knew how to worship and he knew how to fight. That would be a good example for us. 
the second chronicles chapter nine there's the story of this uh the queen of sheba who came to challenge anybody get challenged this queen showed up to challenge solomon because she came from where the magi came and they were all about poems and riddles and being smarter than the other guy and having all this knowledge and they thought they were somebody look at verse one Chapter 9, he says, When the queen of Sheba heard the fame of Solomon, she came to Jerusalem in her heart. So Solomon answered all of her questions. There was nothing so difficult for Solomon that he could not explain it to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon and the house that he had built, look at this, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters and their apparel, his cupbearers and their apparel, and his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord. When we have the presence of God and we bring an excellence, that's ridiculous because that's who God is. Look at, look at what she, she's just amazed by this. Then look what it says. His cupbearer's apparel in the entryway. We, way we, remember, he goes out and comes in. He went up to the house of the Lord. There was no more spirit in her. That word spirit literally in the Hebrew, breath. Took her breath away. And this is the queen of queens who, who knew everything. And she came with so. And I'm telling you, she came with some people because the amount of gold that most theologians think that she brought with her was about 9,000 pounds of gold and precious stones. In today's economy, it was like 166 mil. So she didn't just bring an entourage. She probably had an army, like, we're going to take over mentality, this whole thing. And here she is, because of the presence of God with Solomon, it took her breath away. She's like, holy cow. And the entryway, specifically, entryway into where the Lord's presence was, took her breath away. That's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive that the Spirit of God living in this area did that for him and brought wisdom. You know, and Sheba was wealthy and rich and came to challenge him. And, um, you know, basically changed her life. One more scripture. We'll close right here. Ezekiel 46 verse 9. It's talking about the temple of God. And this is, I always think church, right? But look what he says. He says, but when the people of the land come before the Lord on the appointed feast days, whoever enters by way of the north gate to worship shall go out by the south gate. So if we come in one way, we're going out the other way. Let's keep reading here. Uh, go out by the south gate. Whoever enters by way of the south gate shall go by the way of the north gate. He shall not return by way of the gate through which he came, but shall go out the opposite gate. Every single time you're coming into church, you are going to encounter the presence of God and you are going to go out differently. It will change you. That's the presence of God. That's the power of God in worship. And it brings these things for us to be attractive on the earth to the world that's dying. And we can simply have these things just by worshiping God. Let's all stand together. The presence of God brings wisdom, brings the fear, puts fear in the enemy. And the presence that, that just baffles everyone. And it's available to everyone in this place today. So here's what I want to do. Well, we're, we're just, we're going to have one more worship song. So you can put to work what we're talking about today. And I want to encourage you to really focus for a second. Let's just give God our best in this last worship song. Okay, so before that, I just want to make sure we're all on the same page here. That you can be in a part of the family. You can have God's presence and we can just call it out right here. So if you don't know the Lord or if you want to rededicate your life to the Lord quickly, just 30 seconds. Anybody, any place. I think we're mostly home folks today. Anybody, anywhere. 
dedicate your life to Christ. In this last worship song that we're going to have today, I just want you to invite God's presence into you. And we're not going to go out from God's presence today. We're going to go out with God's presence. And we're going to change the world because that's why we're here. I remember when Jesus was on the earth, the last words to his disciples were this. Wait for the Spirit of God. Wasn't go like the Great Commission. Last words of Jesus were wait. And he was telling them to wait for the presence of God that came. Right? That came on Pentecost. Then they could go change the world because they were full of the presence of God. Changes everything. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's just pray and enjoy God for a minute. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are God of our lives, Father, that we can worship, we can focus, we can bring you to another level in our hearts, in our lives, in our minds, in our souls, in our emotions, God. We can emotionally be in touch with you through our worship. And Father, your, your presence is in this place today. And Father, we're going to put some fear in the enemy and be full of wisdom by the time we leave here. And we're going to leave here with your presence, God. We're not going to leave it here. It's going with us. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, God, I love you. I give you my life. I promise to worship with my heart, my mind, and my soul. I leave nothing on the table. I give you my life. And I thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come. And we're going to do this last worship song today. And if you're in this place today and you have a prayer concern of any kind, anything, job, kids, family, spouse, I want to encourage you to be bold. Step out and pray. We got these two up here. We got Joni in the back back there. Just while we're worshiping in this last song, just be bold and, and put your faith with their faith and we'll put it before the Lord in Jesus' name.